the trade deadline's coming up, and I was just thinking uh, something to make the trade deadline more fun. They should do the trade deadline like the old New York Stock Exchange, you know? Like, I'm thinking specifically of the scene in uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, great film, uh, where they're at. Yeah, I think it's like a commodities exchange or something, and everyone's just on the floor screaming out shit and just holding up, like, hand signals. That's what the trade deadline should be in MLB, I think. That'd be sick. Imagine they just broadcast that. And you get you get live look ins like the, all the GM should be mic'd up like just should be a good peek into how business is done in baseball. It's like okay, okay, no, I'll give you this guy for this guy. No, that doesn't work. You hold a bunch of numbers, a bunch of fingers, a bunch of a bunch of yelling, just chaos. Wouldn't that be fun? They should do that. Honestly, that'd be that'd be sweet. That'd make the trade deadline absolutely sick. Uh, but they won't. Trade deadline is still really fun and it looms large. But that is you know we'll talk about that again at the end of the show. Welcome back, everyone, to the Chaos Ball Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. As I sit here, the Mariners have just lost the third game in the series to the Blue Jays. They took two out of three. Man, uh, the game literally just ended like five minutes ago. That was a tough one. The Blue Jays aggressively tried to blow that game like they did the other ones, too. Uh, they are, just seem to be like addicted to to the idea of blowing a big lead to the Seattle Mariners for whatever reason. It was never really a big lead today, but, man, you got you had, you had first and second, no one out. You bunt JP, which, listen, I'm letting JP swing the bat. He's been swinging a hot bat. I'm letting him swing it. Whatever. One out. Second and third. Julio's up. Strikes out. I'm ready to declare that Julio doesn't have the clutch gene, at least right now. I think he's got to get his clutch gene drip up a little bit, in my opinion. But he strikes out. Gino, fly ball, game over, deflating. Deflating end of the weekend uh, of an otherwise really fun weekend, honestly. Uh, And games I didn't even watch a ton of for various reasons. But I've watched the recaps of what I did watch. It was good. I mean, they beat the Jays. Uh, two out of three after splitting a series with the Twins. I think they gained one game in the wild card this weekend, which is something like the offense did look a little bit better. Um, still just kind of middling around 500 like they have been uh, the whole year. Not much has really changed. I'm sitting here again and saying, wow, they're right around 500. Crazy. I mean, I did title last week's episode The Purgatory of Mid because that's just where they are. That's where they've been, and that's where they stay. And it still rings true. Still uh, longest win streak, four games. Longest losing streak, four games. Still just can't. Man, it felt like today was going to be that day where they, they get a sweep and they win four in a row. And then I don't, and then it just didn't happen. It was deflating. It's just been like, it's been like that all year. Or vice versa, where they lose two or three and then have like a really nice win to pick us up. They're just keeping us... On an emotional roller coaster, which is the baseball season, though. It's doing these week to week is is partly why I, I don't dive into the games specifically because baseball changes so much in a couple weeks, and it's hard to make concrete takes uh, game by game. It's just difficult in this sport. I remember talking or not talking to, listening to. A while ago, someone talked about some some statistician, and, and there's a consensus, obviously, that like a full season of baseball, 162, 162 games, and even like the postseason, 
where you can play, you know, 180, 190 total in a year, depending on how many games you play in the postseason, I guess. How many could you play? What, seven? Or, what, five? Yeah, yeah, 180-ish. Um, that's not even good enough to truly evaluate who the best teams were. Like, at least in just a regular season, like 162. Uh, basically, people have come to the consensus that realistically you'd need like two full seasons of the same team to really gauge how good a team is. Uh, and then you throw the wrench of the trade deadline in there for the last two months of the season, teams can change dramatically. Uh, it's just, it's just a crazy sport to be a fan of because of how long the season is, how much your team can change throughout the course of a season. Like your team can change a lot. in like the NBA, uh, by virtue of there just being less players on the team. But baseball is crazy because, I mean, like, the Nationals started 19-31 and won the World Series. Like, the Braves didn't have a great start to 2021, and they they added some some pieces at the deadline, and their team came alive, and they won the World Series. Like, that's just that's how it goes sometimes. Uh, and it's weird to evaluate a team game by game, even week by week, like I do this. I just do this because I need stuff to do with myself for an hour every week uh but i don't know they still sit they sit right where they've been the whole year they they're going to the twins and the d-backs this week that's not that's not a fun week that's not an easy week and then the trade deadline on monday next monday it's it's right there it's coming up um but it i'll get uh, i i have just i have just notes from this week from manners baseball you know i I might do the baseball reference player of the week this week. I might I might not be able to fit it in uh, with just stuff I have on the docket. But before I get to, to other Mariners stuff, i got to talk about how Cal Raleigh just owns the entire country of Canada uh, this weekend. Multiple home runs from him. Uh, Tay Oscar had some good revenge moments. He had a walk-off. He had game uh, game-winning RBI on Saturday, walk-off on Friday. A really good series for the bats, but especially Cal Raleigh. He he savaged the Blue Jays like he has savaged them historically the past two years. Obviously, he had the two home run game, but Mariners PR tweeted out something that is just hilarious. It's that dating back to the 2022 postseason, Cal Raleigh has hit six home runs over his last six games against the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, and he didn't play today, so that still stands. Uh, hilarious. He owns them. And it was funny, actually, going going over to see uh, some Blue Jays fans' tweets on Twitter. They are just like, get, get, Cal Raleigh needs to stop. Like, it was just torture. Uh, really, really funny. Uh, really good to see Cal. Uh, and even, like, Gino's hitting better. Teo had a good weekend. Tough, tough they lost today and didn't complete the sweep, especially a sweep with all of the Blue Jays fans in attendance. Oh, that would have been tasty. I mean, at least the first two games were heartbreaking losses. As I said earlier, they're just addicted to to losing to the Mariners like that for some reason. Even better to see with the, the pilgrimage of Toronto Blue Jays fans to Seattle that happens every year. It's good to see them even just winning the series as a plus, especially against this Toronto team who's been... Uh, who's been rolling as of late. They've been playing really good ball. And then another note from today, I want to say, before anything else, Geno Smith threw out the first pitch of today's game to J.P. Crawford. Why, did, why didn't he throw it out to Eugenio Suarez, to Geno Suarez? What are we doing? 
I come on. Have Gino to Gino. I mean, listen, it's stupid. But cut that would have been awesome. Come on. That's just like that's just a simple slam dunk you should have done. Maybe Gino said no. He said no. I will not. I'll not I will not catch a, a ball from the other Gino in Seattle. But let's get into it. Let's get into the news of the week. I just I want to come out and say it before before anyone else. I'd like to come out and say I I'm the first podcast that is openly against coolers. I know. It's a stance that, that not many people want to take. I mean, coolers are they've been good to humanity for a long time, keeping our drinks cold and whatnot. But they've had a they've had it too good for too long. And now they've fractured Jared Kelnick's foot. And I simply won't stand for it. So um I'm adamantly against coolers. If you are a pro cooler, a cooler sympathizer, if you lobby for pro cooler rights and the government, I want you out of here. Stop listening right now. Uh, they fractured our man, Jared Kellick's foot. And just, it came at a point where just when you think things couldn't get worse, they got worse. I mean, they, they thankfully ended up beating the Twins in the final game of that series. But everyone knows by now, Jared Kellick, uh, he struck out to you on Duran at the end of that game on, on Wednesday. A uh, couple men on, it was really tough at bat. It was like 10 or 12 pitch at bat which is crazy to do with that guy. Maybe the filthiest reliever in baseball. He was pumping 104, um, and he throws a splinker and, like, a 92-mile-an-hour slider. It's insane. Uh, great at bat and ends up striking out on a beautiful backdoor curveball. Like, it couldn't have been a better pitch in that spot, and you just got to give it up to Duran. But apparently Kellnick kicked a cooler, fractured his foot. I think the prognosis came out yesterday. I think it's four to six weeks, which just is so deflating. I mean, that puts the timetable, like, maybe he's back in August. Maybe. Realistically, probably not until September. That just sucks. It's deflating. He he was starting to hit better, too. This past, the past week, uh, stuff was falling for him. He, there was a clear approach change at the plate. I mean, he had slumped for a while, and and even like his outs, even the the Yuan Durana bat, like that was a fantastic at bat. Uh, and it ends up he he. I mean, he didn't lose that at bat. Yuan Duran just won that at bat, flat out. Uh, and he kicks a cooler and fractures his foot. And man, it's it's one of those that's like, man, come on, really. And he clearly felt bad. Um, if you haven't seen the video, I'm sure all of you have seen the video if you're a Mariners fan. Or even baseball. It was circulating all of baseball on Twitter. Uh, even on, like, LP Network. Had the, had a video of him in the dugout talking to press. He was, he was really emotional saying how, how he messed up. He let the team down. He let the fans down. Um, I mean, it stinks. It's not going to change his fractured foot. Uh, it's a good reminder that athletes are indeed humans. And I think a lot of us need that reminder sometimes. Not specifically talking to myself but a lot of people who direct things at athletes online it's good to remind them that they have human emotions clearly just was blinded with rage and fractured his foot and emotional crying saying sorry just uh, you know i don't have much else to say it just stinks it's tough it's tough to to see him know he let you know, everyone down. He let himself down at the end of the day. I mean, the man's a baseball robot. He was, he's been bred to play baseball since he was a little kid, basically. Um, 
And to see him go through the past two years of struggles and continue is amazing in and of itself shows a lot of mental fortitude. And then it also shows the human condition that he's gone through all of that and won, won it bad at the end of the game. And, and you, you have a rage and, and fuck up a little bit and break your foot that can break you. And, uh, it sucks. And so now they're without Derek Helnick for the next four to six weeks. Cade Marlowe got called up, uh, in his stead, which unfortunate circumstances to finally see Cade Marlowe up in the bigs, but he's up now. Uh, he hadn't had the best year in AAA, but the past few weeks he had been hitting a lot better. So I don't think it wasn't like undeserving of a call up. And I think at the very least Cade Marlowe, what he can do is fill in, uh, in the outfield defensively and provide some value on the base path. He didn't look super lost at the plate in his first game, his first at bats. He looked fine. He drew a walk. Uh, as long as he can kind of just get on base occasionally and act as a pinch runner sometimes, that's going to be value. Uh, I mean, he stole, he had a 25-25 season last year in the minors. I think he had like 20 bags swiped this year. With the new rules, I, it's safe to say we're going to see him swipe some bags as long as he sticks in the big leagues. Just really tough circumstances to have him get called up. And that's that's that. That's Kelnick's foot, man. That that news was a backbreaker. He's just he's been one of the best hitters for the offense this year and losing him is is crucial in these final months of the season. Uh I don't think it really shapes anything they'll do with the deadline. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. I I doubt it. Especially because of DePoto's comments that I'll get into. But I was thinking about this. If you told me before the season started that Jerry Kelnick would fracture his foot in uh, July and the reaction from the fan base would be that like a lot of support for him but also just like dread because of how crucial he's been to the offense this year I I don't know if I'd believe you but he has been Uh, a lot of the wins at the start of the year have been because of him he's had a lot of go-ahead RBIs uh, and just been a really solid, actually solid big leaguer this year, which is more than anyone uh, could have expected or or wanted from him this year. He's done more than we thought, more than I thought, at least. I I was hoping he'd be like an average to below average player. And, and, you know, it's uh, had ups and downs, but he was putting together a pretty decent season. Uh, Hopefully he comes back and the Mariners are somehow still in it. Uh, down the stretch and he comes back and and helps the team for a playoff push I mean that would be the best case scenario given where they're at right now because uh, after today I think they're what four and a half back of the wild card yeah four and a half back of, of Toronto and the wild card so they did gain one game on them I guess but like Baltimore's rolling right now uh, losing two to the twins was tough but they're playing a little bit better ball they're still Eight and a half back of the division lead, five and a half back of Houston for second in the division. They're a half game back of the Angels now. And the trade deadline looms. The trade deadline is looming like the eye of Sauron. And, and what is Jerry DePoto going to do? He had his show uh, the other day. I think it's Friday mornings. I don't generally listen to it because I don't listen to radio much and I work and I, I get to just see the snippets afterwards, I think is more valuable for me. Uh, essentially he said their approach to the deadline was not 
a huge buyer, not a huge seller, which is not at all surprising. I kind of just said they're going to reposition the team for next year and not be super aggressive at the deadline, which I honestly don't hate. Like, I don't think they should be trading any of their top 100 prospects right now uh, for talent for this year. I will make that stance. I don't think they should get rid of any of them. I think they're going to need them in the next couple of years, as long as their development is on track. Their farm is thin as it is. I mean, this draft helped, but this draft also, the main guys in this draft are prep kids who will take a lot longer in development. And right now you got a lot of guys in, in high A cooking offensively. And I think you're going to need them in a few years to provide uh, some value for you. And I just don't think they should be trading them right now, especially where the team's at. I don't know what you could, I don't know what you could trade, who you could trade for that would really propel this team into true contention. I still think they could contend. I mean, they're again, they're not, they're only four and a half back of the wild card. And you could say this until the season ends one good stretch like two weeks and they win like 10 of like 12 in those games. Like if they just go on a run, they just can't seem to do that. But it's baseball. Anyone could go on a run. They randomly rattled off 14 wins in a row last year. Like theoretically that could happen again. Obviously you shouldn't count on it. I just don't know who they'd, who would really move the needle to get rid of prospects uh, for this team right now. I think it'll be more patchwork trying to throw stuff at the wall I have some ideas I'll, I'll go into later, but that was DePoto's position, uh, reposition-ish for next year, not be super aggressive. He'll probably do a little bit of buying, a little bit of selling, I imagine, um, and and repositioning the team for next year is not the worst idea. I mean, if they don't make the playoffs this year, they're not in the worst spot, obviously. They will have guys coming back healthy next season. They still, all of their core will be with them next year and hopefully take a step forward after what we've seen so far this year. It's just tough to not punt on this year, but it's just if they're just going to hover around 500 like the projections said they were supposed to, like they've been doing, I don't know about mortgaging a lot of your farm for help right now is really is really worth it in the long run, especially given how strong the American League is uh, because – it's worth noting all these teams are going to try to get better. Basically all, basically, I don't know, eight to 10 teams are going to try to get better. Every AL East team, maybe like the Orioles will probably look for pitching. Uh, the Rays will make some moves probably that will look insignificant to some, but probably very significant for the Rays. Uh, the Blue Jays will be buyers. The Yankees and the Red Sox. I don't know. They're, they're in the wild card. Right now, they're just fourth and fifth in their division, but they're above the Angels and the Mariners in the wild card. So I think they're in a similar spot. I don't think they'll be aggressive buyers, but I think they will buy a little bit. They'll probably sell where it's smart to sell. Like the Red Sox will probably offload Paxton uh, if they're smart. But I don't know. That's a weird position for them. The Angels, I don't even know how much more capital they even have to move to buy, but they'll... They're still four out of the wild card. There's a chance. I mean, obviously Shohei Otani's the main conversation with them, but who knows what they're going to do. I mean, Texas will probably look for more pitching. Astros will probably look for more pitching. Um, Minnesota will probably look for some offensive help. Cleveland will look for some offensive help. 
because uh, they're three games out of the Central and right behind the Angels and the Mariners in the wild card. It's just loaded. It's it's packed. The AL East presents a very interesting issue because all of those teams theoretically could make the playoffs, all five, and they might. They might. <laughs> you never you never know because uh, the only team that's not an AL East team in the playoffs for the American League are now obviously the other two division winners, but then uh, the Astros are sitting second in the wild card. So I don't know. It's just you're you're gonna you're buy if you if you went aggressive buy at the deadline you'd be aggressively competing about buying with the rest of those teams. Uh, that's what also just makes it very tough. And it's not a deadline where huge names are going to move. Besides Shohei Otani and, like, I don't know, Bellinger, Stroman, like, there's not a Soto. Like, Otani's a special case because we don't really know. Like, we knew Soto was going to get traded. Shohei's just a big question mark. Like, Trey Turner, Max Scherzer, like, it. Max Scherzer seems open to getting traded, but that's not as big. Uh, as a Max Scherzer trade as it was a couple of years ago, if you're making it at the deadline, it's just there's there's fewer names and more teams competing right now with the new format of the playoffs. So it, that's makes it that much tougher. And I'm 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 for Depoto's stance on on repositioning ish for next for next season and not completely punting on this year because the team as it is could again go on a run. You never know. You never know. But with that being said. Some more Mariners notes. I'll go over some more more notes before uh, some trade deadline talk, and I'll end the show with a little trade deadline prediction and the predicament that I am currently in uh, with the trade deadline next weekend. I want to talk about Julio. I want to talk about Julio Rodriguez. Uh, he had a homer this weekend, which was good to see. A homer to the pull side, which is a rarity in this day and age for that man. Um, right now, he is slashing 245, 313, 403. It's not amazing. It's not very good at all. Uh, it's like right around league average. He has a 104 WRC+. plus. He has 2.7 Fangraphs War, which a lot of that's base running and defense, which still very valuable. Um, but it's not... It's not. Ex- it's just not the season we expected from the man. And I think it's it's a sophomore slump. And it's happened before. I mean, we saw Vladdy and like Pete Alonso and even Aaron Judge. They came up and they they lit the world on fire as rookies. And then the next season, they had a had a sophomore slump. Like, look at Michael Harris this year. That's happened to him. Like, I guess Spencer Strider to an extent. I mean, he's he's striking out more people than last year, but he's given up more runs. Like his ERA is higher. It just it happens. Um, and what's specifically wrong? It's I think it's mechanical. I'm because you look at his raw stats and there some of it is it, nothing's really jumping off the page on like a Fangraphs or Baseball Reference page. Really, some of it is, but like if you look at walk rate, strikeout rate, like that is where I'd look sometimes if a guy's just really cratering, and that really hasn't changed. Like what's changed is if you go to his like Baseball Savant page, but I'm on I'm on his Fangraphs right now. Like his his walk rate last year was 7.1%. This year it is 7.7, so walking slightly more. His K percentage last year was 25.9%. This year it's 26 even, so that's the same. That's still right around league average. It's higher than I'd want, but you can be a very good hitter and strike out 26% of the time. Like he was last year. <laughs> um, 
and you look at like he has a lower batting average and for that reason a lower OBP it's still the OBP and average difference is roughly the same it's not a huge discrepancy the slugging is where it drops off his slugging last year was 509 this year it's 403 and like you look at it tracks when you look at his isolated powers isolated power uh, and for any of you who don't know isolated power is just a it's like batting average but just taking uh, extra base hits so it's it's slugging minus average so it's just kind of average with doubles, triples, home runs, uh, with emphasis on all of them. Uh, last year it was 225. That's a great ISO. This year it's 158. He's just hitting less extra base hits. He's just getting less hits in general. His BABIP last year was 345. His BABIP this year is 308. So he's. I don't even think he's getting less unlucky. I think he probably got a little bit luckier last year, but you're going to run a higher BABIP if you hit the ball hard, and he hits the ball pretty hard when he hits it. And so a high BABIP is not really out of the realm of, of possibility for for him. What's really like a difference, obviously, is those power numbers have dipped, and it's noticeable at the plate. It's very noticeable, and I'm not a swing expert. I probably know maybe a little bit more about mechanics than like the average fan, but not you know enough to tell you to take my word as as gospel here. But the the power to the pull side has not been there, which is why it was nice to at least see him crank a bad pitch uh, into the left field bullpen at T-Mobile the other day because he hasn't done that much this year. He did that a lot last year, a lot of power to the pull side. This year, he's still hitting the ball hard. It's just, it's been a lot more opposite field and it's been a lot more hitting the ball hard ish to the left side but on the ground like when he's hitting the ball to the left side it's not as hard as it was last year and the fly ball percentage to the left side of field is not as high either and you can tell you don't need stats to tell you that if you've watched the Mariners consistently you you can see that Uh, and hitting the ball the opposite field is good but it's 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 good when you're also hitting the ball to the left side of the field hard you got to do do it with different pitches that would be the point uh, so pull side power uh, is just the big issue I see this year. And he's just pulling them all less. He's not hitting it as hard over there, like I said. Not hitting it in the air as much on the left side. Ball is just, the ball, the pitches are traveling too deep in the plate. And he's not getting around on them. He's making contact like way too late to get a meaningful power to the left side of the field. I, I hope it can be fixed mechanically. I don't know how to fix it. Send him the drive line. Like I'm sure they could diagnose. Like JP went to drive line this offseason and look what season he's having. Fantastic year at the plate. Would it hurt really this offseason to send Julio to drive line? I don't think so. Or send Julio to that magician Aaron Judge swing coach who I watch on YouTube sometimes. That guy's hilarious. He's uh, if you haven't go go look up Aaron Judge's swing coach. Because uh, Aaron Judge came up and like I said he had he had that crazy rookie year. He cooled off. He found this guy, this swing coach, and he's it's completely changed, obviously, and look at Aaron Judge now. Like, fantastic hitter. Probably the greatest 6'7 or whatever hitter we've ever seen. It's very hard to be a hitter at that height and be really good. Uh, and a big thing of that of that swing coach is, is, is hands, um, twisting the hands, staying back with the ball, using your, your back leg to drive your power. 
that's what Aaron Judge does. That's what that swing coach has taught him. I don't know. I don't know with Julio. It's mechanical. I don't know how to fix it. The ball is just traveling too far. And that is why we're seeing a lot more opposite field hits from him and less power to the pull side. Because if you can't get your hands around on a pitch in the zone to hit it hard to the left side, like you're not going to be an amazing hitter. And he was doing that last season. So I don't know exactly what's changed. Um, obviously, pitchers had that hole last year to, to examine and to know how to attack him. That's definitely a huge part of a sophomore slump like this. It's just now up to Julio to and the coaching staff of the Seattle Mariners in the front office to um, adapt back. And he's got to just get the power to the pull side again. That's it. I think that's really what will fix it. <laughs> um and yeah, I, I don't know what else to do with him. It's It's been an average year for him in a, in a year where everyone was expecting him to take another step, which is dangerous sometimes, especially for the front office. This is way more on the front office than the fans' expectations because the, the front office set high expectations for this team and built it so that they kind of built it so everyone would have to have uh, close or right around their best seasons to really um, contend, to be a meaningful contender. And that starts with Julio. I think they were counting on him putting up a six to seven war year, at least another five war year like he did last year. And that's dangerous to just kind of go into a season um, counting on that, especially from a kid who's that young. Like it's this season is, I don't think it's indicative of what the rest of his career is going to be because I think he's clearly committed to getting better, uh, works really hard, has a great attitude, obviously has all the intent, like all the physical tools, and he's gifted enough to, to be a premier MVP caliber player. He just has to, uh, he has to come back from this, and I think some mechanics are going to have to change in his swing. And that's that for Julio. It's weirdly been an average year where still he's providing great defense and good base running so there's that i think that's also what sets him apart from a lot of players is he still plays a premier position and center field and still has insane speed to steal you 30 bags a year maybe 40 this year with the new rules so like at the end of the day he can be an average hitter and still provide a tremendous amount of value it's just the team needs him to be a 130 140 150 top 20 hitter uh wrc plus wise like hitter in the league they kind of need him to do that and he's not doing it and uh not you know again that comes down to how they built the team that's less on on the man himself and he's just been pretty abysmal in high leverage situations which mm, that might just be by merit of him being young might just be sp sped up uh in those high leverage situations and maybe that that improves with time uh that hypothesis would make sense. Like the more experience you have in the bigs, the more experience you have hitting in those high leverage situations, the more you're comfortable doing it. Uh, I think, I think he'll be fine. It's just been a weird, weirdly average year from that man, but I have utmost confidence in him bouncing back even, even later this year, you know, you never know. Teoscar Hernandez, like I said, Another guy who's had a pretty average year, one the front office was banking on having a more Teoscar Hernandez-y like year, but he was raking against the Blue Jays, a revenge series for him, 
had that walk-off, had the game-winning RBI. He's been pretty clutch, actually. He's been quite... I don't have the numbers in front of me. I can get them if I want. I'm not going to. He's been he's been pretty good in those high-leverage situations. And I don't know where I stand with him in terms of this trade deadline, the end of the year, offseason. I don't know. But he's been hitting really well, and it was really good to see passion. Passion from him after he hit that walk-off. Uh, and honestly, recently, passion from Colton Wong. Two guys we haven't seen much passion in, and Colton Wong has had a great attitude, it looks like, on the bench. Uh, Teoscar has had a better attitude, I think, just because he's hitting better. Yeah, it's good to see. I think fans need to see that, <laughs> that side of players sometimes. They need to see that they really are playing for the, the name across the chest. But no, not much else for Teo. Just been hitting really well, raked against the Blue Jays. Hopefully that can continue. That would be huge down the stretch, especially with Jared Kelnick now out. And the last big thing before some just random Mariners shit, uh, the pitching call-ups. We saw Prelander Baroa and Devin Sweet make their debuts. Prelander Baroa was highly anticipated after we saw him in spring training and the nasty stuff he has. He looked about as expected. He was pretty nasty, pretty wild. A rookie making his debut wasn't perfect, wasn't bad. Back down in Arkansas now. They kind of just needed those two guys to come up and mop a couple innings to to rest the bullpen after a very hefty workload after the, the break. And uh, it was cool to see him in the bigs. You can see that stuff will play in the bigs at some point. He'll rein in that command, but I think he, he will be uh, down the stretch this year, maybe uh, even a decent reliever and next season going into it, I think uh, could be a, a solid relief piece in that bullpen. Devin Sweet, his changeup is beautiful. Uh, I hadn't seen him pitch a whole lot I knew his name, uh, and it's cool. He's undrafted. He went to an HBCU making his debut. Like, that's really rare to be both undrafted and from an HBCU making your debut in the bigs. That was really cool to see. Uh, He looked fine, got roughed up a little bit, but that changeup is pretty, man. So both of them back down in Arkansas, and that's what I wanted to talk about. The pitching call-ups, they can't just be shuttling these guys from Arkansas. I... That is clearly where they want their their better pitching prospects to pitch, and it makes sense. You don't want them pitching in the PCL and AAA in a huge, high-run environment. Like we saw Bryce Miller and Brian Wu all get called up uh, from AA, and like Kirby did too last year, and Logan Gilbert, I'm pretty sure, did too. Um, But you can't just be shuttling these guys from Arkansas. Like Specifically thinking of Isaiah Campbell... I understand having the prospects and pitchers you really value in double-A. Again, that makes sense. But now guys like Isaiah Campbell, who are going to be like up-and-down kind of fellas, you can't have them just going back and forth from Arkansas. Like, they've got to be in Tacoma. Isaiah Campbell at the very least. Uh, Because Barroa and Sweet, it was kind of a special situation for them to get called up and then sent down. I I don't know if they'll be back up this year. I, I assume maybe. And they'll have to come back from Arkansas. They they can't just be doing that. That's not good for morale. Just getting shuttled from Arkansas to Seattle and vice versa instead of Tacoma to Seattle. Like, it's just a thought. Isaiah Campbell, if he gets sent down again, I implore them to send him to AAA. Like, you've seen him in the bigs. Like, if he gets roughed up in, in Salt Lake or Reno in the PCL, like, whatever, it's fine. I just I feel like for 
ease and even just like mental health wise for those players, like getting called up from Arkansas, like they can't just have them be shuttling from Arkansas to Seattle. I just wanted to touch on that. Just what are you, what are you doing? Like, come on, that's brutal. Isaiah Campbell, especially, because he's been up and down a couple times now. I expect him to at least go down to Tacoma if they send him down again. So we'll see, I guess. But some other Mariners quick hitter notes before some trade deadline predictions. I wrote down in my notes, Little League ass team. They just continue to kind of make these weird Little League mistakes, like fundamentals wise, like base running. They've made a lot of a lot of toot blands thrown out on the base path looking like a income poop. A lot of toot blands this year. Not great. A lot of just random fielding errors, lack of communication in the outfield, specifically with Julio and Tay Oscar. I wrote down Little League ass team for a reason. They've reminded me of one. And even this weekend, it's really funny. They made some tough mistakes even against the Blue Jays this weekend. I'm looking at you, Tom Murphy, sometimes forgetting how to catch. He's been tough behind the plate. Good at the plate. Behind it, not so much. They even made some of these mistakes against the Blue Jays, but they ended up winning those games. And so all those Little League-ass team errors haven't felt quite as bad if they're winning, and all of those like mistakes and stuff... When they can't have, and if they they've kept losing games that they made those mistakes in, and it makes them feel terrible. It makes them feel so much worse, and it's also just a good reminder that winning fixes everything. It, like you can make all those mistakes you want if you're winning games. It's still like I'd rather you not make those mistakes, but if you're winning, I haven't seen as many people complaining about those mistakes post game this weekend after they took those those dubs home. So, a good reminder, winning fixes everything. And now, last Mariner's note. Dylan Moore, he's been hitting better, to be fair. But Dylan Moore, Colton Wong, AJ Pollock. I said last week, don't know why they're still on the team. I just give Jake Shiner at least a shot. Till Trammell's back up, and Pollock is on the forced deadline. Or deadline. Ugh. Forced IL, which I don't even know if... I doubt he's hurt. They probably just didn't want to send him down. I feel like they've... They just keep running them out, and I just, I don't know how much better they're doing for the team than at least giving a guy in AAA a shot. Like, Jake Shiner specifically. Like, it, I'm not saying Jake Shiner would be amazing. It's just not even giving him, like, a chance. Like, you can send him down to AAA for a bit, more Wong or Pollock, and if they hit well down there, then call him back up if, like, Jake Shiner again is not hitting well. I don't know. It's just tough to see them like still rolling out those guys. And I called them the perfect trifecta of financial mistakes in the end. They're not expensive at all. Uh, but it's like, I, I just feel like they've been stubbornly playing them because they probably think they can do better than they are. And uh, they definitely can. Like Moore has shown us and even Colton Wong recently has shown us he's done a little bit better than previous. Pollock's been dreadful. But I think it's just they don't want to own up to the mistakes. Like that that Wong trade, they traded for him, inherited his salary. That's one financial mistake. And I highlighted that trade last week. It's worked out for no one. And so it's tough to feel really bad about it because Winker's been terrible for the Brewers. Dylan Moore, they gave a very minor extension to. I think it was, what, nine years, $3 million? Oh, God. Wow. I need to eat dinner three years nine million dollars not nine years three million that would be highway robbery um 
another financial mistake that's not going to end up whatever. Like, if he's not good for three years, who cares? Like, that's $9 million. He's still fast, at least. And Pollock, they gave, like, the one year, what, $8 million or whatever to him. It's 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 the perfect trifecta of, of financial mistakes because they acquired or paid they paid them in the three different ways you can in baseball they inherited one from a trade a contract from a trade they bought one in free agency and they extended one it's just funny and i i feel like they've been the front office has been reluctant to to like send them through waivers to get them to tacoma because they don't want to own up to the mistakes they've made but at least Dylan moore's hit well this this weekend at least he did it's just tough. It's tough. And and Colton Wong, I will say, uh, apparently his attitude has been a lot better. It's been noticeable in the dugout. Like, he's he's been a lot more chipper recently. I think, um, I want to say it was Ryan Divish or one of the reporters uh, tweeted something that it really was hard on him uh, for Cabby taking his spot. Obviously, he could probably see it coming, but it's still really hard. I mean, he's been, he's like an 11-year vet. And that was his spot to lose. And he's never really lost a spot like that before. He's been a very good second baseman in his career. So it said I was very tough on him. Uh, and he's he's gotten over it. And he's been supporting like Caballero and, and the team a lot recently. So I think at least like dugout morale vibes, he's been better, which is really encouraging. But on field, <laughs> on field, I still think he's he shouldn't belong on this team right now. But whatever. That's it. That's it for the Mariners talk. Let's talk trade deadline. Let's talk about the situation I am in for the trade deadline. So the trade deadline is next Monday. Obviously, the 31st kicks in the 1st, August 1st. I'm going on vacation. I leave Thursday. And from post noon on Friday to Tuesday afternoon, I will have no internet, no ability to communicate with the outside world and no one will be able to communicate with me and that is the weekend of the trade deadline funny enough right so i'll have no internet and i won't get to see anything that happens at the trade deadline unless it happens like early on friday i won't i'll have to just right when i get internet back on tuesday afternoon sometime i'll have to just see what happens I'll have to have the trade deadline will be over and I'll have to just go see what happened, which is pandemonium. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of excited to not know anything before then. I just, uh, there also, there won't be a pod next week unless I can squeeze one on. Eh, no, there just won't be a podcast next week. I'll be gone the whole week too. So, uh, won't be a podcast next week, and that means, you know, I won't really have an emergency pod if the Mariners make a big trade, which I don't expect them to do, but that's my predicament. So I'm going, I'm dark this whole this whole next weekend, and the, the trade deadline will happen for me on Tuesday when I get internet again, and I'll get to see everything that happened. I'll get to see if Shohei got traded or not. It's going to be fun. So uh, that's my situation. Now to some predictions before I enter uh, the uh, internetless world that I will be entering next weekend. I have some predictions. Otani, I got zero predictions for this. I got no idea what they're gonna do. Um, no idea what's gonna happen with him. If I had to guess, I'd say he just doesn't get moved. Uh, I think at this point, if they if they do trade him, it have to be with Rendon 
I think they'd be dumb if they're trading him right now. Obviously, it's for the future. They'd be stupid to not ha- have like a 100% rundown has to go with him to get that contract off the books. I think they that need would need to be done. That's the only prediction I have is if he gets traded, I think they'd be dumb to not offload Rendon with him. It might lighten the return, but realistically, that's worth it to get that contract out of there, especially if they're maneuvering for the future. Um, but other deadline predictions, I mean, I think the Mariners make at least one trade. It's Jerry Depoto and the deadline. He can't not make a trade like he he'd be going through withdrawals. If he will, if he didn't make a trade at this dread at this deadline, he would not be okay. Uh, so I think they make at least one trade. I think they probably make more than one, and it's not a blockbuster. You know, I've drafted some fun ones with the Cardinals and other teams on MLB Trade Machine, whatever. But I think potentially, like the Cardinals are actively trying to trade Dylan Carlson, center fielder. He's kind of fallen out of favor for them; hasn't quite hit like they wanted him to. Uh, he could be pretty useful to the Mariners, especially with Kelnick's injury. He's a switch hitter. He can play all outfield positions. I think he's a plus defender. Uh, he's totaled out this year to about a league average hitter, but he's really struggled against right-handed pitching. He's hit uh, left-handed pitching really well, which kind of fits-ish the mold of what the Mariners need. I mean, they need hitting in general, but I also just think he's cheaper. I don't think he'd take a lot. Like You could just give him Hancock which I'd be okay with doing, like just trading Emerson Hancock for Dylan Carlson. Like I feel like that could do it. Uh, and I I think this is year three for him, so he's got team control. Uh, it would make sense at least to just get him out of St. Louis, get him to a new scenario, and maybe he could be a above average hitter for the Mariners. It just, it's, it'd be a cheaper move, especially with DePoto's comments uh, and given the Cardinals' need for controllable pitching in the next few years and they have a lot of outfielders slash like middle infielders second baseman that they need to get rid of like I've talked about and given DePoto's comments I don't think they're going to do a huge trade for like Nolan Gorman or Lars Newbar. I don't think they trade Arenado or Goldschmidt at this point honestly I just think Carlson's very attainable his value is pretty low right now essentially I mean they said they're going to trade him basically so I think Emerson Hancock could do it um, other, other trades the Mariners could make. I don't know. I, I would trade Seawald at this point. I think I, I think I'd trade him. Um, but, uh, the, the Rays are interesting. So they have John Morosi tweeted this. God damn it. He tweeted this a couple days ago. I had this on my notes the past whole week, uh, to talk about Jonathan Aranda on the Rays. Uh, he can kind of play first, second. And third, and even I guess shortstop, corner outfield. I think he can play everywhere. He's been raking in AAA for the Rays. I don't know if they really have a spot for him on the MLB roster. He's just been raking in AAA, uh, and I think the Rays will move him to get some help right now to you know make a huge push for the World Series. You could trade like Seawald. They could. They always need a bullpen arm. Like I don't know Seawald, the uh, Hancock for an, a close to MLB ready pitcher Travis Kuhn even uh, who's in double A right now who I think could honestly slot into the Rays bullpen and they could do really good things for look at Devin Sweet even Prelander Baroa like the Rays could do good things with any reliever you give them for Jonathan Aranda he would he would really help the Mariners I don't I don't know what his value is across the league I just feel like 
he'd be a good trade target. Like, go read John Morosi's tweet because there's just there's no room for him at their MLB level team right now. So I don't think the Mariners will trade for him, but that'd be cool if they did. Um, and so, like as I mentioned, two guys I talked about a couple weeks ago that would make sense to trade was Seawald and Teoscar. So Seawald, I don't know if they'll trade Seawald. I would personally. It just makes sense to do it right now. I'm not getting into why. I already talked about that, but it just makes sense to do it now, especially because teams always need relievers. Teams want relievers, need relievers, will aggressively try to get relievers if you're a contender. there's You always need more relievers in this day and age. And he's probably at his peak value right now, which is why I'd trade him. It'd be tough to say goodbye, um, but I think he's one that could be traded to a contender for a controllable bat. Teoscar genuinely have no clue what to do with. I have no idea. I I don't think his value super high right now. And given Kelnick's injury, I think it's just honestly worth hanging on to him, especially given the way he's played the past week. Um, I think hanging on to him is better than anyone you could trade for right now with not giving up a whole lot, because uh, I still think you know his track record. And him being, you know, Teoscar Hernandez, like, we know he's he's been a good hitter in his career. What's to say he's not going to light the world on fire down the stretch? He might. He might. I think it's worth keeping on, like, hanging on to him for that reason. And as well as, after this season, he's a free agent. He qualifies. You can give him a qualifying offer, which would probably be, like, $20 million. If he declines it, you get a draft pick. If you don't sign another free agent, um, if he accepts the qualifying offer... One year, twenty million. I feel like is a gamble. I'd be very willing to take for next year for Teoscar Hernandez. I that I wouldn't let that prevent me from going after any other outfielders. Uh, I just feel like it's not even that risky. One year, twenty million's nothing. Maybe that's maybe that's too rich for that broke boy, John Stanton. But it's only one year, and worst case, he's similar to this year and. You targeted another outfielder, and he can play a third to fourth outfielder slash DH role and hit decently well. And again, it's only one year; he expires after it. And you can give him another qualifying offer. You know, I, I don't know. I it's worth. I think it's worth hanging on to him. I just, I just don't think his value is high enough to to warrant a trade right now. So, another solid prediction I have before I get out of here: the White Sox, they'll be stripped for parts. That's an easy one. They're a cautionary tale of championship windows and how quickly they can absolutely crash and burn in baseball. They were the next team. People were like, oh, it's going to be White Sox World Series 2021. Like that core failed. They failed. Uh, The championship window's gone. They're going to sell everyone this this trade deadline probably it's a cautionary tale that's why i think i think if you're even in the if you're in the spot of like the rangers think about the rangers for a second they've invested a lot in the team which has helped short term has helped a lot and you have an offense where every bat has taken a significant step forward this year young bats have have taken a big step I don't, and you could be like, oh, so for the next few years, we have like best lineup in baseball. If you're just going off what those young guys have given you this year and be like, oh, they're only going to get better or stay the same, which is great. 
you cannot take that for granted, which is why the Rangers should absolutely freaking go for it right now. Because look at how quick it can it can crash or burn when you're looking at, oh, our young core is fantastic. Look at how quickly it can die. Look at the White Sox. That's why I never think it's worth being like, oh, we should, you know, not really go for it because these guys are team controlled for years to come. That is a risky move. It's risky to go for it, but at the end of the day, in like a decade's time, if you have zero championships, I'd much rather my team absolutely went for it all for a couple years and then was garbage for like seven straight and they were amazing for three but never won or something or just or at least they like meaningfully went for it. You know, a lot of money, a lot of trades, pushed all the chips in. I'd rather the team does that. My team does that in a championship window than like projecting for the future of like, well, we we want to like the White Sox. We want to just contend for a while. I, that is the best case scenario, but sometimes that's just not how it works. Not everyone is the Braves or the Astros, you know. Most of these teams are unfortunately similar, more similar to the White Sox. Even look at the Blue Jays. They're really good right now, but they got to be feeling a little sweaty right now because they have a championship core that hasn't quite worked out these past few years, and they're running out of time. They're running out of time. They're a good team right now, but it's it's it could crumble real quick. Uh, so... I think the White Sox are the most intriguing team because I think like they'll just be sold for parts. Like The Rangers, the Astros, the Angels, just from a Mariners perspective, would be really smart to try to go and get Lucas Giolito or Lance Lynn and like one of their many relievers that will be available, like uh, Joe Kelly, Ronaldo Lopez, Cannon Middleton, Kendall Graveman. All of those guys will probably be dealt. They could all be pretty useful to contenders. Like Lance Lynn's not having his best year. Giolito's been really good. Uh, but even just like pitching, teams just need bodies pitching-wise, especially this year. So um, otherwise, like the Mariners don't need pitching, really. I think if the Mariners trade with them, I've talked about Eloy. I want Eloy. I think they should try to get him. I, I've i said that for, for months now, it feels like. I think that would be a good, good guy to try to target. Perfect DH. Otherwise, like they'll trade Tim Anderson probably. I, I think it could be worth trying to get Tim Anderson just to, to try to play second base and back up short because he's had a dreadful year at the plate. But I feel like he could be one of those guys that change of scenery and then all of a sudden he just flips it on and is Tim Anderson again. And that's very helpful, but at the same time, he'd be so cheap, insanely cheap. His value is on the, on the basement right now, so... Uh, I think he'll still get traded to someone, and someone will try to just trade for him and be like, you know what, screw it. Let's just throw Tim Anderson against the wall and see if he can recapture some of that TA magic uh, that we all know and love of years past. I think I'd rather have Eloy. Uh, Otherwise, I don't see other position players really moving for them. They don't have a lot of other good ones to move. Like Luis Robert would take a tremendous haul. I don't think they'll move him at all, but it would take a lot. To, to trade him. I don't think they're out of... I think they'll listen to conversations to trade him. I don't think they're going to. It would take a lot. Uh, this one's running long. No B-Ref Player of the Week this week, obviously. Um, but a couple couple quick predictions. I think Stroman. I think Stroman gets traded to the Orioles. 
I think Bellinger. I think Bellinger gets traded to the Yankees. And then when I get back on Tuesday, I'm excited to see and find out that Shohei Otani's been traded to the Rockies. I'm excited about that one. I'm very excited to to see that. Um, go Rockies. Uh, hopefully they it would it would mean he can't break the Aaron Judge American League record, but you trade him to the Rockies and he gets two full months to hit in Coors as his home park. I think he could go sixty plus. He's on pace right now for fifty nine. I think he could he could make a run at Bonds if you gave him uh, Rockies. What I would do in in a perfect world of from just a neutral fan. Obviously, I want to see him in the playoffs, but what would almost be more fun is if he gets traded to the Rockies and he says, all right, I'm done pitching for the year. I don't want to pitch in Coors. I'm full-time hitting. He hits every day. He breaks Bonds' record. Hits hits like 35 AL home runs and, and 40, 45 National League home runs in two months. Um, that'd be fantastic. That'd be amazing. Uh, I still can't believe... The owner was like, yeah, why not? It'd be fun to get him. I'm so fired up that he said that. Uh, real quick, before I go, Mariners play the Twins this week at the Twins and at the D-backs. That's a tough one. And they come back home against the Red Sox. Right now they sit at a 14.9% chance to make the playoffs. That is not terrible for this part of the year, but it's not great. I'm really intrigued to see what the deadline holds and... Again, I will not be online all weekend. So excited to, to come back and see the pandemonium that has occurred on the trade deadline. But if you've listened this far, really appreciate it. If you really, really actually listen this far and like the show, rate and review. You know, I'm not really trying to monetize this podcast, but rating and reviews just would make me feel good, you know, about myself. So, but either way, appreciate the listen. Obviously, have a great rest of your week. And next week after that, won't be no, won't be any pod next week. But, of course, I'll leave you with this. Go Mariners.